Welcome back to the Push to Pass podcast, and I am now joined by the famous but yet controversial, depending on how you look at it, David Land, uh, David Land on YouTube. David, first and foremost, um, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. This has been, uh, I think, weeks in the making uh, for uh, to join us here. But uh, how are things here? We're at uh, Nashville for the uh, Big Machine uh, Music City Grand Prix this weekend. We're kind of in a holding pattern as we wait till uh, Mother Nature uh, decides uh, what she wants to do. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it, it's, it was great to meet you first at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the month of May. Uh, as, as I'm sure you know, things have been extremely busy. Uh, I hope everyone uh, who, who has subscribed and, and those of you who will, hopefully after this podcast, uh, are enjoying all the content. But yeah, it's a little rainy here, or at least a little thundery, thundery and lightningy here at Nashville, and so we're under a under a weather delay. But the good news is, it means uh, I had a little bit of time to sit down and, and talk with you. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this will be a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, before we get into uh, anything, just curious, tell us. Uh, I know you've been at this for for a couple years now. What uh, first? What put you? Uh, what got you uh, into uh, media? I know you are a uh, i racer, so it uh, sounds like racing is in your blood. But uh, uh, what got you into journalism? And then specifically, was it the the i racing part that got you into uh, journalism, into uh, racing, or is there a different story behind that? It's a totally different story. There's a lot of there's a it's a long story. Um, my my passion and love of racing has been a lifelong thing. Uh, I it goes all the way back to you know being a child and pushing around diecast cars on the on the on the ground and watching you know religiously watching tapes. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's expensive, but uh, my dad worked in the IRL um, in some of the first couple of years, so I was always around it. Um, you know, I wasn't well connected or anything. Like as soon as that, you know, as soon as he left, it wasn't like there was any connections. So, but I, I stayed a fan. My family had been going to the Indy 500 since the the mid 80s as a family, and I st- I started going in 2002, and I just fell in love with it. Now. From a journalism perspective or from a broadcasting perspective, like that was something that was, you know, kind of a, an interest of mine, uh, kind of second or third behind other things like, like racing, for example. Um, now, in, in school, there was really no way. I was a very creative person, creative kid. And there was no way to really, like, have an outlet. Like, if, if I had a choice, I would have done, like, creative writing as like a major, but that wasn't available. So the next best thing was like journalism class. So I took that um, and then I, I kind of parlayed that into broadcasting, uh, did some broadcasting classes. Now at the same time, while I was kind of developing my skills in broadcasting, I actually had a TV show about cars and sometimes we touched on racing subjects, but um, I started doing YouTube. Then this was 2008, you know, this is a long time ago. This is the, the kind of ground floor and I only did it you know, again, as a, a creative outlet. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make this my career. I never, ever would have thought that this would be a career opportunity. But such is life. Um, things started to, you know, kind of fall apart um, in my personal life. Nothing nothing necessarily related to me, but it was more of just like my parents were splitting up. I ran out of money. I'd done one year of college, and it was like I didn't like that. So it was all these things that were just kind of coming together. And there came a point where I realized, you know, I would really like to be in racing, but how do I how do I get there? And I noticed that YouTube was really starting to take off and make careers. And I said, okay, 
what if I made auto racing content on YouTube? What if I talked about IndyCar? Because no one else is doing that. And uh, as it turns out, uh, there were people, there was an audience out there um, that has taken a little while to cultivate, and it, it certainly has not been easy, but uh, I, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now if, uh, if it hadn't been at least somewhat successful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and just checking out your you know your subscribers, I think you're over what like seventy three thousand or seventy three million, seventy eight. There we go. No, well, you know you'll get there in time, absolutely. But uh, you know, glad to see everything is taken off. And, and I think you know you may have been. It sounds like one of the you know starters uh, when it comes to putting content on the inter on YouTube, especially when it comes to uh, uh, comes to IndyCar. So, getting into uh, the uh, the present day today, uh, 2022. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season, uh, David, that we would have you know not only a roller coaster on on track, but a silly season nonetheless one of the silliest i think that uh, you know me and you have ever been a part of yeah yeah silly silly is a way to put it i think insane season is the way to do it and it, it continues to get i mean i've heard things today that are just like so off the wall you wouldn't believe it the the the, the crux of this is, is zach brown and i've said for a while that zach brown and mclaren coming into the sport in 2017 was one of the best things to happen to indycar because of the the massive attention it brings now at the time you know in 2017 when i said that i thought it was about it was all going to be like positive things like like the opportunities for formula one drivers like fernando alonso at the time to come over and participate in the indianapolis 500 well once they became uh, began to get involved on the team ownership side of things and hiring drivers out of our talent pool quote unquote in the United States it has gotten to the point where uh, Zach Brown is making big time plays for dri champion race car drivers here in the states to come drive for him either in IndyCar or Formula 1 and you know you look at that with Colton Herta he very well could be in Formula 1 in 2 years driving for McLaren you look at Alex Pelot IndyCar champion very well could be driving in an Aero McLaren SP car next year, could be in a, testing a Formula One car. There's all sorts of things that he could be doing. But the point is that Zach Brown is doing all this stuff, and it's, it's ugly. There's no doubt about it. But I think Drive to Survive has taught us one thing, that it's okay for racing to get a little ugly from time to time because that is what people are interested in seeing. They're interested in seeing that human side. They're interested in seeing the beef. And I think that's part of like you said, you called me controversial earlier, which I don't disagree with. It, but that's that's something that attracts people because you know controversy is entertaining. So, and Zach Brown and McLaren, as it currently stands, is a very entertaining team, and it's a it's very fun to talk about them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot to uh, a lot to digest there. Uh, first, when it comes to Zach Brown, uh, you got to give him credit, you know, and not on what's what's recently happened, but the money that he has put into IndyCar since he has come in. I know he has an expansion in Central Indiana. I think that's going to uh, benefit him, obviously, at the 500 and, and moving forward. But we've also learned too that you know we found out what what is a contract. I don't, I, nobody knows what, what you know what what is yeah we don't know what is a, a contract It's going to be interesting to see obviously how the the federal system uh, plays out with uh, with with Alex Pillow but I think what Zach Brown has done uh, I think out of the grand scheme of things how many eyeballs has Zach Brown put on IndyCar that's exactly I think what, what IndyCar has been missing and I think you know we both agree that uh, the amount of eyeballs that IndyCar need, has compared to what they could have is uh, astronomical 
Absolutely, um, I, I, and I think it's 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 a new way of doing business. Um, con contracts are totally changed forever in IndyCar, I think, after this. I think contracts are going to be written and produced and, and agreements are going to be made that have provisions for things like this from now on. And it's, uh, it's okay to have change. Um, you never have progression, you never have growth without change. So to me, uh, you know, net positive, net positive, but it is going to, there are going to be growing pains with this. There are going to be lawsuits and there are going to be people upset. But at the end of the day, like you say, Zach Brown's involvement in IndyCar has been so valuable that a little bit of negativity is okay. It's acceptable, um, at least for me. And, and like I said, negativity can be entertaining at times. It doesn't have to always be negative, because if it's always negative, then you're going to turn people off. But when you have negative mixed in with the positive and you don't really know what to expect, that's where good storytelling you know, is, is formed. And right now we've got heroes, we've got villains, we've got people that you have no idea what they're going to, you know, who would have ever thought that Alex Polo would be this controversial in IndyCar or have this kind of a controversial um, thing happen to him, It'd be the, the center of this controversy. We would have never guessed that, even, even at the beginning of the season. So it's fun. It's unpredictable. It's exciting. We like, it's like the racing. You know? now, now the off-track stuff is as, is as exciting as the racing is, and I think that's going to be a good thing for IndyCar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And speaking of on track, we have about a handful of races left. Uh, Will Power is the the points leader. Um, you know, it seems like he is the uh, you know the statesman. Uh, as you look at uh, the rest of the uh, you know the people behind him in the standings, is is Will Power in the uh, proverbial uh, catbird seat here with a handful of races left, or or does David see this points lead uh, jostling back and forth uh, as it has for the majority of the season? Well, I, I've always looked at it, um, especially with the top two, is that you've got consistency and you've got inconsistency. Uh, willpower is, I think, probably um, on the whole a little bit faster than Erickson throughout the season. Not much. It's very close. And I think Erickson winning the 500 really has put him – I think Erickson has the advantage because he got that double points win at Indy. It, you know, the mistakes that he makes, like, for example, at Indy, not necessarily a mistake, the car blew up, right? But – that cost him points to power. He can tank some of those, no problem. Whereas Will Power has had bad finishes. One of them was actually at Indy. Um, Will, Will's got his work cut out for him. Even though he is the points leader right now, uh, he's one bad race away from Erickson just consistency, consistently earning points and putting himself in the position to win the championship. Now, that being said, I think Will Power is driving as well as he has maybe in his entire career. And this is a driver that a lot of people have kind of talked about as, eh, maybe he's going to be, um, you know, maybe he's on the outs, it, even as, as soon as next year. Um, whether it's retirement or whether Roger just says it's time, I, I don't think so. I think Will Power is, is like you say, he's kind of coming into his own at this time in his career, and I think it's, it's great. Um, at the end of the day, I think it will be Erickson. But I think it will be close, as, as we've come to expect. I mean, we haven't had a points championship since, what, 2005 that hasn't come down to the, the absolute last possible moment. And I would very much expect that Laguna Seca is going to be a, a title fight. 
Yeah, I know in your videos you've talked about, you know, after Will Powers, you know, the contract he's on now, is that going to be his last? Is he going to, you know, step away uh, as, uh, you know, or is he going to be forced out, as you said, with Roger basically you know, give, giving him the same thing he did to Elio? Um, so it's definitely going to be uh, be an interesting uh, watch to uh, to say the least. And you talk about Will Power coming into his own team, Pinsky. You talk about a dominant season. You know, one year ago they had three wins, and I believe this year they've doubled it to six. You know, what, is there anything you've seen differently from Team Pinsky last year to uh, to this year that would uh, you know that that, help, that has helped them uh, get those six wins? Scott McLaughlin. I mean, he's he's coming into his own. I think he's really pulling his weight in the team. And when you do, when you have three strong drivers that are all pulling their weight equally, all winning races, I think it just naturally falls into place. What's funny is if you ask a layperson about whether or not Penske's had a good year, a lot of them will say no because they didn't perform at Indianapolis. Everywhere else. Exactly. And it was his home track before he bought it. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to kind of see how people perceive success in IndyCar because, like you say, they've been dominant everywhere except Indianapolis. They, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it could end up that Erickson will win the championship because he won Indy with one win, like you say. And so <laughs> it's, it's very... Interesting to think about that, but you're right. Is that that Penske has just absolutely had a great year, and like I say, I think it's because you had all those three drivers peaking all at the same time. They are all performing so well. They are so fast. Joseph Newgarden is a man possessed. He, Joseph Newgarden could could very well be a factor in this championship in the stretch run, and he already would be if he hadn't crashed at Iowa. So. It's uh well it had the car broken and into the wall at Iowa, but I think I, it's fun. And Scott McLaughlin, like you say, just coming right out of the bat, out the bat with a win. He likes these street courses too. He could be pretty strong here at Nashville. And, and speaking of Nashville, before we wrap things up, that's where we're at this weekend. Um, we had um, uh, Kristen Lungard yesterday, uh, top of the charts, P1. Uh, this morning, uh, you had the, the aforementioned Scott McLaughlin finding himself uh, at the charts at P2, or practice two, rather. Uh, you know, we look outside, and uh, ominous weather, I think, uh, is, the, is, is the word right now. You know, what do you expect coming up in qualifying here in the next uh, few minutes and then on, on Sunday? Because, you know, if we're going to qualify in wet conditions and Sunday is something totally different, you know, you basically throw qualifying out the window. I expect the qualifying get, will get canceled. Um, that's a possibility. Um, but if, if we do run today, um, I think that uh, I think you're going to see a really mixed up field because that's one of the things uh, I was talking with Davey Hamilton uh, in the uh, IndyCar radio booth about this is that, that it is going to be an absolute crazy. It's going to be crazy out there if it's wet because if you look at last year's just the race, it's insane. So qualifying, when you have to lay it on the line, it is, and there's points on the line. That's the other thing, too, is, is in these tight championship battles, you have got to try to get the pulse. So the guys like Newgarden, the guys like Erickson, the guys like Power, Dixon, Polo, he's got a lot to prove, doesn't he? You know, I think all those guys are going to be absolutely going bananas. And, uh, <laughs> and if they stick it in the wall, you have got a very tall task on Sunday to try to win this thing. So it's going to be... It, it, if we get it in, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be wild. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Uh, David, for people that don't follow you on social media, on YouTube, first of all, shame on them if they don't. Uh, where, uh, where can they find you at? So you can find me uh, on YouTube. You just type in David Land, D-A-V-I-D-L-A-N-D. It's nine letters. It's pretty easy. Big purple, big purple logo. So hopefully it's easy to spot. Um, we talk all sorts of racing. Obviously, IndyCar is the bread and butter. But you know, when something interesting happens in NASCAR, Formula One, IMSA, we actually go to cover IMSA race. This is great. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, if you're a motorsports fan, I, ho I hope you'll like it or at least be entertained. I mean, you know, I, I, there's certainly a fair number of hate washer watchers, but uh, we like those too. The the clicks count all the same, whether they're there for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. But I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, what I try to do is create discussions and, and have discussions about things that maybe other people won't talk about. So um, I, I think I've kind of built my brand on that, and I, and I hope uh, your listeners uh, enjoy it. Again, David, huge thank you for uh, carving a little bit of time out of your busy schedule here in oh, Nashville. In Nashville for joining us, and uh, definitely look forward to what you have in store down the road, and I'm sure we'll talk again. Absolutely.